Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm exce- I'm going to be accompanied by the ghost of Jacob Marley <laughs> this entire time. Yeah, very topical again. Thank you. Thank you. It's I, Christmas. <laughs> I think. I think. Like, if we're, if we're doing this in time, it probably is. Like, Christmas is coming. <laughs> Based on our time scale. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, right. What do we do again? Okay. Welcome back to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with cocktails and comebacks comebacks as in us coming back not like witty retorts (laughs) but also witty retorts because we're absolutely full of witty and i retort every chance i get absolutely as you should thomas (laughs) as you should um hey what what are you drinking today tommy today i'm drinking a martini with two olives a double because that's how you're supposed to do it that is apparently how you're supposed to do it um (laughs) Well, I'm drinking coffee. Oh, uh, no, wait. There's none left. Uh, ah! <laughs> I've gone insane. It's Thank jokes. You. Jokes. We got plenty. We got hunters. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So, last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight face. Last I week. I cannot. Uh, so, six months ago, we thought we'd give you a, a wee bit longer on this quiz uh, question. <laughs> it was such Just a hard it was, question. It was quite a tricky one. Um, <laughs> we thought we'd give you a... <laughs> give you a little extra extra pause um so yeah well our quiz question from last time uh from the you're a good man charlie brown podcast was that what it was um, oh, i know God. exactly <laughs> like i think it was recorded ago. i think it was recorded around the time the original you're a good man charlie brown was 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 created <laughs> i think so it feels like um but no so the quiz question was um our next show the show we're talking about today um is anderson cooper's only broadway credit what show could that thank goodness he didn't do anything between <laughs> when <laughs> we recorded that, that show yeah. and this show <laughs> yeah exactly thank you anderson cooper we're eternally grateful what show could it possibly be jimmy it could possibly be how to succeed in business without really trying. That name's going to get tiresome real fast. <laughs> yes. How to apply for a job. How to advance from the mailroom. How to sit down at a desk. How to dictate memorandums. How to develop executive style. How to commute in a three-button suit with that weary executive smile. 
This book is all that I need How to, how to succeed How to observe personnel How to select whom to lunch with How to avoid petty yes, friends Israel, as it how does to in general contact. Hooray <laughs> um, Okay, so How to Succeed uh, opened all the way back in 1961 it's on Broadway. Seminal classic. Uh, it has mm-hmm. music and lyrics by Frank Lesser, um, who you know from Guys and Dolls and a bunch of other things. Exactly. And booked by a whole a big committee, Abe Burroughs, Jack Weinstock, <laughs> and Willie Gilbert, which is a great name. Good old Willie Gilbert. I mean, <laughs> what a name. Um, and it was based on the book of the same title, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, uh, by Mr. Shepard Mead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It played for a long time, several years, 1,417 performances. Um, it won seven Tony Awards and was difficult to compete with for a while because it won um, Best Conductor, which is not a category anymore. So, and it should be. It should be. I never thought about that, but why isn't that, a, you know? Right. Conductors do I, stuff. I, I think it's because they swap out conductors a lot. Um, exactly. But this is, so it, this show won a Pulitzer, Jimmy. I know. And actually, who knew? <laughs> right? You read it today um, and you wonder about it. Yeah. That. We'll be getting into that a little bit later. Um, they made the film, which was really, really big um, in 1967. Well, it was still going on, I think. Mm-hmm. And we're just uh, close. Maybe? Close enough. Um, yeah. With a lot of the same cast, though. Um, yeah. And then there have been two revivals since. The 1995 revival with Matthew Broderick and Megan Mullally. Both of their big theatrical breakout roles, of all things. Mm. Um, and then a 50th anniversary revival in 2011 wow. um, with Daniel Radcliffe and Broadway, or, and Tony nominee John Larroquette, which is how they introduce him on every talk show that they perform on. It drives me bonkers. Brilliant. That's hilarious, <laughs> but well known for his Tonys. Uh, who, who actually is? Is he a big American guy? He's, I mean, he's Tony nominated. <laughs> he's Tony. He is nominated for that Tony. He's he's um, an he's an oh that guy. Um, he was <coughs> he was big on a sitcom called Night Court, um, which is like a comedy parody. Which I I wonder like. I don't even know how I know what Night Court is. No one watches Night Court anymore. I don't think it's in syndication okay. anywhere. Um, but, like, Night Court would have been it may be comparable to something like Parks and Rec, not in style but in concept, like a mm-hmm. comedy about the inner workings of, you know, a court. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Great. I'm com- sold. Comedian and actor. Still working. Doing is stuff. Is it the... The preface of Judge Judy? Is that, <laughs> the, is that where, where she came from? <laughs> yeah. Maybe sparked from the same fascination. <laughs> cool. Excellent. Um, yeah. And little tiny da- Harry Potter. I know. He's so short. He's so short. He's God, so short. Love him. Um, okay. So, well, how to succeed. Um, where to begin? Basically, like the, the self-help book, um, it's found by a little chap called J. Pierpont Finch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically decides, I'm going to use this book to uh, climb, I was about to say climb the charts, climb the, the rungs of the corporate ladder um, <laughs> and uh, succeed. Yeah. Literally, without really trying. <laughs> it is. It's all right there in the title, if anything. Yeah. It's no wonder they abbreviated H2S all the time, yes. or H2 dollar sign. H2 were, dollar sign. They were putting the dollar sign in long before Kesha was. Um, <laughs> How to Succeed is the original Kesha, if anything. I can't believe we just made a Kesha reference. <laughs> so I only got we're one. So, That's my only so Kesha. Hit- <laughs> 
<laughs> so hip. <laughs> dollar um, sign, ha. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he climbs the corporate ladder by being by being a little shit. Uh, <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And along, you know... Uh-huh. Yeah, along the way, uh, there's obviously some subplots in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the kind of villainous uh, nepotism mm-hmm. uh, nephew of the the boss of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, the company, which we should say, is called was it World Worldwide Wicks? Worldwide Wickets. Wickets. What's a wicket? Um, Nobody knows. It doesn't know. matter. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and who knows what the company does, but he does really well in it. And everyone mm-hmm. wants to be at the top of this company. I don't right. know about you, T, but I really do. Um, and there's a very, very um, kind of uh, loose love story in there. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you need one. Yeah. Um, and... It's a it's a yeah. sat, it's a satire. If you haven't seen it before, it's a send up of like corporate working culture. It's intended to be a parody, maybe right on the edge of parody and satire about mm-hmm. you know office life in the sixties. Very what would become um, the you know Mad Men style smoking and advertising agency and business executive sort of thing, which I, you know, I think that kind of style has come full circle with it because then with the popularity of Mad Men that infused the 2011 revival and brought it back around, which is fascinating. Yeah. And it's, it's quite interesting to see them kind of work hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and how one maybe doesn't help the other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, should we dive straight in? Let's go for it. Should we get in for some gender politics? You know oh. you've been wanting it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no coffee, Woo. No coffee, oh man. No All right. Coffee, Let's go. No coffee. No coffee. No coffee. That office light doesn't have to be fluorescent. I'll get no pains in the head. That office chair doesn't have to be foam rubber. So if I spread, so I spread. But only one chemical substance gets out the lead. Like she said, if I can take my coffee break, my coffee break, my coffee break, if I can take my coffee break, gone is the sense of enterprise. So I mean, like, first, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take, you know, a genius. It doesn't take a, a, a genius to <laughs> really see how I would say, you know, extremely misogynistic. Oh uh, man! I mean, analyzing this show has made me not like this show. I used mm-hmm. to like this show, and I really think I don't anymore. <laughs> Yeah, same. Exact same. Like, it's one of those ones, you hear it, you listen to it once, you're like, oh, that was jolly. Da, yeah, da, da, how fun. Da, 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 well, da. and it's it's well constructed. The jokes land really well. The book is fantastic yep. it, for, like, its construction, but it is sexist AF. <laughs> yes. And so this is, this is the kind of thing. So, like, when we talk about it being a satire and when we talk about it being a parody, mm-hmm. um, that kind of implies that the the tongue is in the cheek and right. the you know the joke's on them not you yeah um but i don't i don't know how much that's the case in the show 
It's hard to say, and I wonder if that is... Well, so I did some digging into some, like, reviews. It's hard to dig up old, old reviews of the yep. original production. Um, yep. And they do... There are references to the fact that, like, we... They know that it is sexist in the mm-hmm. time. Um, mm-hmm. They knew it was sexist in 1961. But mm. that that's not a... It's not a like, oh, how awful of them, ha, 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 kind of sexist joke. It's like, oh, yes, yes sexism, a thing we <laughs> yeah. regularly practice. Exactly. <laughs> You're it's just right. Like that is what the offices national are. national Exactly. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, I completely agree. It is unabashedly uh, misogynistic and sexist. And, like, in a way, like, that's where it's hard to judge. It is unabashedly misogynistic and sexist in the same way that... This whole, you know, corporate setup of the 1960s is also unabashedly sexist and misogynistic. And so, you know, it's it's difficult to discredit the authors on that point because it is very much a reflection of its time. Factual. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're right. Can you... Can you do how to succeed anymore? Well, that's, that's the thing. And it... It's quite, I don't know, I find it, I find that Mad Men mm-hmm. is actually, I'm really glad that they existed at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, because it it does kind of allow us to go, huh, you know what I mean? The, the arms fold and you sit back in your chair as you yeah. watch Daniel Radcliffe dance about your leg. Yeah. All right, Dan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see what you got there. Um, because there's so many things. It's like, you know, Mad Men has seen how to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just been like, okay, so that's what's wrong with that. That's what's wrong with that. That's These are the things that we need to highlight in our show. Right. Boom. Because um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, with someone like Don Draper and Mad Men, mm-hmm. it, he, he's, not, he's not a nice guy. Right. Um, but that's very much the point. Yes. Whereas in How to Succeed, and this is what I think, it was fascinating reading reviews about Robert Morse, um, mm-hmm. the original finch uh superimposed with reviews about matthew broderick um right okay and the discussion because finch is an anti-hero finch is you know a conniving little shit um but where they describe morris as being kind of like a lovable maniac um Mm -hmm. and you watch him in the movie and clips of him and that reads like he he's still even for the camera playing to the back of the house and has this kind of like wide-eyed, I-might-kill-you-in-the-middle-of-the-night look about him. Yeah. He looks slightly drug-addled. Yeah. Do you get that vibe? I do. And there, and it's weird watching him then compared to now, because he also, I didn't know this because I didn't watch Mad Men, um, but he's in Mad Men. (laughs) He's in Mad Men. (laughs) Which is It all comes full circle. Um, Talk about typecasting, I I mean. Right? (laughs) It's the only thing he's ever done. Um, But then you compare that to Matthew Broderick, who will forever be... You know, the somewhere between Ferris Bueller and um, uh, Bloom from um, what's the name of that musical? Producers, um, and they de- they describe him as being a little more, I don't know, slick and mm-hmm. coy, and mm-hmm. you know, which somehow seems more suited to Finch for me. But it is it is an interesting discussion of like, do we want him to succeed? Yeah. And you kind of fact, need to, but I don't know. Well, that's it. So it's interesting because I read, I think I read one review uh, of the re- most recent, the 2011 revival, mm-hmm. um, 
where like one of their opening lines was you know you know from the start it's going to be a happy ending he's going to get what he wants right. and i'm like why why should that right. necessarily be the case like wouldn't that almost just be the better show if it was like yeah you know these self-help books right exactly are actually a load of shit <laughs> uh, you know what i mean yeah conniving won't get you to the top neither will nepotism do you know what i mean like, right. just just maybe something in there instead yeah. of you know, here's the moon on a stick. Well, well done. I, I think it's one of the more, I don't know, insightful parts of the show is mm. when, you know, near near the end, when Finch, you know, is, says to Rosemary, like, he's going to tell the truth because mm. she wants him to. And, you know, he's done with all of this. And, like, it, and he's actually in trouble and actually going to get fired. And there's yep. some drama there and there's some tension there. And then it immediately goes out the window and we start mm-hmm. dancing again. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess, hey, you know, snap your fingers. That's musical theater. But Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe what maybe what they're do- maybe what Lesser is doing there is he's just shining a light on literally what is happening in that you know this corporate world right. is all a big old sham yeah and it is just nepotism and it mm-hmm. is just people faking their way to the top yeah I mean we know that yeah that's exactly. that definitely does exist um so maybe the fact that he gets his way is just again it's just fact it's just factual right. well and especially you know I'm I do not doubt that a lot of how to succeed's popularity has to do with the fact that Broadway is in New York and there's a, you know, a working class audience who can go see this thing. And like, it is your after work escape is a parody of your after work. You know, it's, it's why Roseanne is popular. It's why like the, it, when it is a, a satire or a reflection of real life, yeah. for a particular audience that's why it's popular you know yeah for sure how to succeed is a send-up of new york corporate culture like yep. the worldwide wicked corporation is next to the richard rogers like yeah leave one and go see the other um but i think you know maybe that's that is the question can you do it today has corporate culture changed is this now a period piece and is it a period piece worth redoing <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. Like, first, I'm trying to think of something like Oklahoma. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where we sit on very different camps and I'm mm-hmm. like, it's so archaic and it's so set in its time. Right. That you realize you can, you know what I mean? You can distance yourself. I feel like because, you know, the world is still run by corporations, mm-hmm. um, maybe more so now, uh, is, you know, is this as much of a, like, say, a period piece mm-hmm. as something like Oklahoma, which is definitely set you yeah. know what I mean in the past right. and you know you are looking at history there for this unless you know you need to be really careful in terms of your styling and right. your set dressing yeah. because I mean you know you put people in like you know Hugo Boss suits and suddenly you're yeah. in the 2010s exactly well and it, it because it is where something like Oklahoma is doesn't have the problematic the big problematic umbrella that I think how to succeed does you know yep there's certainly bits and pieces there but yep. you can fondly look back at the time in Oklahoma with rose colored glasses and not feel that you know tinge of guilt in the back of your mind yeah. that you absolutely feel with how to succeed you know yeah. like when Hetty's like I you know I left being at the Copa and at least when I was there you know I got pinched and got tipped for it um yeah like <laughs> we're we are not hiding this in any way no. 
Exactly. And but that's the thing is like with that line, like the end of it obviously saying, Around here a girl can't bend down to pick up a pencil with confidence. It's like she's literally saying, like, hey, sexual harassment's a problem. Yeah. And then what do they do? They turn around and laugh and sing a little song about it. Yeah. Like it's Well and what's I wanna find Oh, where was it? Because I was looking through the libretto BT dubs, yep. the MTI libretto for this. They must have used some <laughs> um like character recognition um oh no and it is it is really bad um they call mr gatch mr catch on and off because it gets yeah it was <laughs> it's really bad um but there's one they make a huge joke out of it and it's a background joke too which i think is perhaps the most telling part um, right it's like an introduction to a scene they're on the elevator set um uh okay and so that's like midway through act one isn't it and everyone's getting off the elevator and a girl gets off the elevator so i said just keep your hands where they belong a man gets off the elevator so he said i'm next in line for promotion a different girl gets off the elevator so i said just keep your hands where they belong a second man gets off the elevator so he said i'll be head of sales in a year with a raise and a third girl gets off the elevator so i said just keep your hands where they belong Another man gets off the elevator. I'm dying to see that new production chart. And then Miss Crumholtz gets off the elevator and says, so what the hell? I'm having dinner with him. Um, which is so funny. Like, if you can put your, you know, identification of sexism and misogyny in a box for a second, it's a very funny joke. It's well delivered. Yes. It is like comedy perfection. Yes. <laughs> and it's really bad. It's really bad. I know. And that's, but that's the thing is it's like, you know, Oh, I'm trying to give it a good comparison. Maybe something like Millie? Yeah. Right? Where it's like, you're looking at, I guess, a kind of similar environment. Obviously a different time. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, all this stuff was still happening. Right. Um, and... Where Millie, Millie treads a fine line too, I think. But, like, we're not pretending that Mrs. Mears is a is a person that... Oh, like, yeah. She's no. a caricature. And, Kind you know? of ignoring ignoring that storyline. <laughs> oh, we're okay. going to just push that one off. No, just in terms of like how women are treated and how mm. the men work with the women. Like Got it's it. very much like yeah, we know this is an issue. Right. This is ridiculous. Right. Uh, t- you know the tongue is in the t- whereas yeah. this is just so well on okay. the nose. Let me put it to you this way though: counter argument yeah. to say that because we talked about this with guys and dolls, which is yeah. you know apples for apples comparison to this show. Yeah, for um, sure. And there is something to be said about some girl power in this show between Mm -hmm. Hetty, like very clearly, at least by the end of the show, understands the use of her sex appeal all Mm -hmm. the times, or I guess in the movie, he does it a bunch of times, but in the show, he only does it once when Finch sends Hetty to, you know, go sabotage some businessman's life by delivering these letters personally. Um, Or something like, rosemary's through line um whether it's cinderella darling or the reprise of how to succeed in or what is it how, the secretary's guide how to hook a tycoon yeah um the reprise at the beginning of act two and like is you know certainly a product of its time but these are women who like have a very keen understanding of you know the the hand they're dealt right now mm-hmm. and are trying desperately to capitalize it in the ways they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely convinced on my own argument there. 
Um, no, I know. I, I, I do know what you mean. I, to- I totally see what you're getting at in the sense that it's like, we can't do anything about it. Let's make the most of what we got. That kind of vibe. Right. Like work um, in the secretary pool until you can get married to a big tycoon and then you're set. <clears throat> right. But I think the only thing, the only issue that I have there is none of them are like, this is awful. Right, exactly. You know, they're yeah. all like, "This is this is the Cinderella story." That's right. what, do you know. What I mean, that's what they're saying. Like, that's this true. is the thing we've been dreaming of. Yeah, this is our fable. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's manky. Well, and so what do you think? Because that this show has remained. You know, this show is like a museum piece. They dust it off and Absolutely. they don't do much. But the big change was the '95 revival, which did yep. cut Cinderella story. Yep. And do a reprise of how to succeed in business from the secretary's perspective. Yes. How do you feel about that change? And then they put Cinderella Story back for 2011. <laughs> you know, it's the 50th anniversary. So let's just celebrate the misogyny again. Um, yeah, I mean, like, sure, it's a step. It's mm-hmm. definitely a step in the right direction. And I think the 95 production overall is the one that sees the issues. Yes. Do you know? I mean, it 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 knows it very much knows they're there, and it tries to uh, it tries to dance around them. Yeah, literally, it, it doesn't it doesn't tackle them. You know, there's no Brecht style like Matthew Broderick's popping out the front and be like, "Guys, right. this is awful. Watch <laughs> what I'm about to do." And then you know, right. uh, there's there's none of that. Yeah. Um, but with things like the Secretary's Guides um, at the opening of Act Two, it's. It's certainly a step, but is it enough? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Because the thing is, is they do that, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the story just plays out. Yeah. When I think say. the um, the ninety five uh, a secretary is not a toy is like it makes me uncomfortable. It, it does make, and I would give you that. I think that is almost the tone that the whole show should try and take. Right. Like that one. You know, in in that particular recording, um, the is that Ganch, Gatch, who sings that? Gatch, yeah. Gatch, um, is like it is very clear that he does not heed this overt rule. Like yep. he is a lecherous, no good, and that doesn't come through in either the sixty-one or the eleven as much. In the sixty-one or the eleven, with the right listening, it's like, hey. You know, HR sent up, not that they had HR, but HR sent up these guidelines about sexual harassment and you should follow them. A secretary is not a toy. Whereas like in 95, it's like, I am such a, you know, awful human being. I don't follow this. Like, look at how bad this is. And it goes full tilt into the satire. um, For sure. Which I think that's the only way to guard this show. I think as well, see if you listen to the recording of it, mm-hmm. um, and it comes it comes really, really clear through in the cash recording. Um, it's a lot angrier. It's a lot yeah. darker. Yeah. They shout the end. They yeah. don't sing the end. They just shout it. Right. Um, and just these little t- tweaks, mm-hmm. I think, I'm like, smart thinking. Yeah. It, it, it makes it the the satire that it's supposed to be, as opposed to being like an instruction manual. <laughs> If for, exactly or like <laughs> you know a secretary is not a toy <laughs> as if do you know right. what i mean exactly like, it, which is what i would say the original definitely does and i guess the 2011 can't yeah. help but doing because you know right but it's it's, it's hard it is hard to backpedal <laughs> it is hard to like <clears throat> well that's the thing take that's the sexism the out of the show because it's a plot point 
For sure. And I, do you know, because I was thinking about this, I was like, I feel like we must have come across another show like this where it still gets played, it's still quite beloved, mm-hmm. but is so errantly kind of awful yeah. in terms of its thing. But I actually don't think, I can't think, I don't of think one. we have. Because even like when we talked Guys and Dolls, like there's ways to swing that to, you know, bulk up the girl power aspect of it. For sure. And, and make like it we contemporary. Said, like, someone like Adelaide is actually, she's got some good points and she's got a lot of strength. Right. Um, someone like Laurie in Oklahoma, yeah. even, of all the shows, like it even has a little bit of yeah, it's something in there. Yeah. A little bit of something. But you look Whereas, at Hetty and Rosemary... I mean, just Rosemary. Oh my God, she's such a such a painful. I I just want her to punch (sighs) Finch in the face, you know? Exactly. Or like Mary Bud, uh, just to get back at him or something, right? Or just leave, like she said she was going to do, and not be persuaded by this. Yeah. Secretarial pool telling her you're our only hope. Right, and she never gets there. Oh, you know, it's the last line. Oh, honey, I don't care if you're a window washer or, a, you know, the chairman of the board or president of the United States. I love you. What was that thing you said? I love you. Know the other thing. You yeah. know, it's the, it's the final joke. It's the laugh Exactly, line. exactly. And that, but that isn't the joke. The joke is, oh, he wants to be president. Right. The joke isn't, oh, he just walked all over his, you know, fiance. Yeah. Uh, it is really painful. It's really painful. Like this, just this whole idea of um, in that time that, you know, being a secretary in an office was like the female equivalent of Tinder in those days. They were yeah. literally there because they were single yeah. and they needed to take care of their mother mm-hmm. and they just had to wait till they could get a husband and then go into glorious unemployment. It's the fact they call it glorious unemployment. I know. I hate that so much. No, it's so bad. There And like, I was thinking through, I was running the mind experiment of like, if you're given carte blanche to fix this show, how would uh-huh. you? And I don't know if you can. Like I thought about, nope. you know, do you make Wally a woman? Like the chairman of the board is a lady. Yeah. Um, hmm, I think the the only thing that you could do, and again, there are probably ways that it wouldn't work, is you just completely gender flip it and you make a yeah. statement. Yeah. Do and you know it what just, I mean? It just becomes a, you know, or you go like super dark with it, but then it's not entertaining anymore. <laughs> well, exactly. Because I was thinking about, I was thinking of like, um, you know, I was like, right, if I ever had to direct this show, what, well, well, how the hell would I take it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about, uh, assassins yeah. right where at the end of the show you kind of go through this whole journey with these guys mm. where you kind of end up sympathizing with them right or at least empathizing with them and, and kind of seeing their point of view yeah um and then you get something just broke and then you get the finale and suddenly you re- you hate them like right. they're yeah. repugnant it's the that's um, the, the i think it's an apocryphal story but the story goes there was a production of annie that was shut down um, right because at the very very end and i i you know can't stand annie so i don't remember the particulars <laughs> of how annie ends but you know oh i'm with daddy warbucks and you're you know not, I've you're got... not an astani i am an annie stan i God. just i just coined that okay Tumblr, i wondered if that you're was welcome. a thing oh, is Tumblr no. still a thing look what you've done um <laughs> but apparently at the end of this maybe imaginary production you know, Annie's like so happy. She's with Daddy Warbucks, and then the lights shift and go dark, and the orphanage set comes back on, and Annie ends up back in bed and wakes up from a dream, and oh, then the black goodness head, right? Sakes. <laughs> but like, you'd have to do that. You'd have to like totally, you know, 
figure out a way to bookend the the performance with a like and this is bad yeah you know big exactly. blinking sign or something yeah like you need you need at that end point like the brotherhood of man needs to turn into this like the you know the chant of the patriarchy i mean which already the thing is that already it is the chant of the patriarchy <laughs> the name the song is called the brotherhood of man there's exactly. one girl in the whole song and she doesn't sing anything of substance i know like it, it is it's, do you know do you know what this show needs it hmm. needs to be directed by a woman i wonder but who's gonna <laughs> you know yeah well why the hell would you but yeah. like i would love to see but I just i no actually i just don't know what you can do i know it you is it is kidding. really like i i think i can work around a lot of problems in a show and mm-hmm. i don't think there's a thing that would fix this for me nowadays i think no. it's a it's a period piece with some great tuners that are great out of context and yep. some great dance numbers and you know really funny comedy if you take it for what it is but yep. has no place in contemporary discourse no, just like sexual harassment has no place in the workplace. I just oh, exceeded. Man. Did you know? So I I did a bunch of research on this because I had no idea. Um, I wonder if we read the same paper because you're citing a lot of things that I had. Oh, did you by that lawyer lady? Yes. Well, maybe I learned we'll, a lot about law. We'll we'll find a link for it and put it in the show notes. I hate reading lawyer pep- papers because they're APA style and they cite everything. Everything was cite like everything. Like every time they talk about the plot in the show, they cite the authors again, and it's like yep. I get it, we know. But this, so this lawyer presents went and saw a production of How to Succeed, um, and she's an employment lawyer um, yep. and law professor, I think. Um, let me here, hold on, let me look up her name so I can say her name. Um, yeah, M- Mary something. Is it? Cherry. That's where I got Mary from. Excellent, <laughs> good, yeah. Yeah, so Miriam Cherry, she's a law professor at Cumberland School of Law, Stanford University. Um, It's a wonderful paper. So she went to see How to Succeed, um, you know, expecting a nice night out at the theater and was deeply disturbed by all the things we've talked about. And so then analyzed the show from using her law experience, which is wonderful and fascinating, um, and talks about how employment law and sexual harassment law has changed since the 1960s um, yep. and talks about how, and this is fascinating. So the Civil Rights Act, Title Seven, which I have heard of before, um, mm-hmm. was penned in 1964. Um, and it bars discrimination based on race, gender, um, and a couple other things. Um, race, color, religion, sex, yep. or natural, national origin are the way it's phrased. Um, and was the first thing that said, like, you you know, you can't pay a woman less for doing the same job as a man and all these things. But there's a whole bunch of case law surrounding this. And the yep. first successful case about sexual harassment um, went to the United States Supreme Court in 1986. Literally 24 years. <laughs> yeah. So sexual harassment was like just legal and that's even the wrong way to put it because it's not yep. that like it was just not even identified as a thing until yep. 1986 um and it's a beautiful analysis of like how far we've come and how far we have to go um yeah, for but sure. it is it's cool because how to succeed is a contemporaneous time capsule of a primary source yep. about sexual harassment in the workplace Yep. Like, you know, when when whoever grabs what's-her-face, see, I don't know their names, um, and like, oh, it brings such a shine to my day when I see you around the office. 
grabs her butt and then she pushes him away and then it's like i should stop reading playboy haha <laughs> what a funny joke you know it, yeah it's it's manky yeah it is manky yeah there was because there was an article i read as well um that it was kind of matching it up with mad men and um mm. talk you know brought in a lot of, of this as well and and again it was just in response to to seeing it and i think what a lot and what's what's actually quite nice to note is that both of these writers were female mm-hmm. um and what their kind of arguments are is that you can now look at this show you can go see it and it's a good talking point to be like this isn't good is it right um and it's kind of creating that conversation mm-hmm. uh so that to bring that into the argument of you know do we just go nope away with you how right. to succeed or do you put it on a stage to be like this is a pile of non do you know what i mean right exactly do you showcase the you know the bullshit <laughs> of the past i do think yeah. it it does speak volumes that neither of the revivals were nearly as popular as the original yeah. production um they yeah. were still plenty popular still played from you know 500 shows more than a year yeah. um but not the 1400 run that the original had and i i um, imagine a lot of that has to do with the like unintentional uncomfortableness of yeah. it for sure like it, it just it's just there yeah. um out of interest is it done quite a lot in high schools over there i i it is a i would peg it as a popular high school show i think the thing that holds it back is just it's a very male heavy show and that's just not oh, how okay high school casts are yeah um, it's it's <laughs> yeah. a hard show to cast for that yeah. reason um yeah. but there are i mean you know i did my youtube trolling there are some fantastic um you know illicit recordings of high school productions on the internet uh-huh. um people do a really good job with this show because it's it's yeah. a hard show to mess up barring which maybe in a second we will you know put our sexism in a box uh-huh. and just talk about it as a show um but like barring some of the overarching problems it's a really good show i know that's that's what's so frustrating it's yeah. really well made um yeah no. Well, okay, let's let's talk let's about Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's Find nothing like her at FAO Schwartz. A secretary is not a pet, nor an erector set. It happened to Johnny McCoy, boy, they fired him like a shot. The day the fella forgot. A secretary yeah, my sexism is, not is well and truly wrapped up. Well tight. in a box, <laughs> we got it taken care of. Yep. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> All right. I'll open it later. But yeah, it's currently. Yeah. 
<laughs> Let's talk about the show. It's a funny, uh-huh. it's a well-constructed show. I would like, I think Guys and Dolls and especially How to Succeed are good examples of what has become the cookie cutter musical. I think they yep. pioneered the form. Um, but from like exposition of place to exposition of character to how the yes. conflict progresses. Um, it's just like, that's lesser of all people has discovered what makes a two act big Broadway musical theater plot happen. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, it is and it's it's quite surprising because this is you know you need to remember this is very early days mm-hmm. you know what i mean we're just uh at the back of you know the golden age in inverted commas right um so to to have something that is as well constructed in this and it's kind of co- coherent yeah i mean all the this. all the early reviews express a lot of surprise about how good the book is uh-huh. um, which i think is really telling that they're like yes, yes it's a you know it is as funny and witty and intelligent as a play of the era. And there was one review that was like, it forgoes some of the, you know, gags and slapstick for running commentary and, you know, more like, quote unquote, highbrow humor. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I wonder as well if like, because you know, nowadays you've got the kind of like play with music mm-hmm. vibe that's kind of coming to the fore. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's what they thought this was in a way. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously it's an out and out musical, but I wonder if they're like, oh, hey, there's some suspense. Right. There's, you know some, I mean? there's drama. There's, I understand know. who these characters are. Yeah. Kind and of they have I mean? dimension and depth to a point. Yeah. So you I wonder know. if that's, they were like, this is so highbrow. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that idea. Well, and so the, the thing I'm thinking, cause it's the thing I can never quite articulate, like mm. from far away while squinting i can look at this and say like the well-made musical but like Mm. picking out the individual pieces sometimes i struggle with that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like what something like just stuff the in my mind it's it's the murder she wrote strategy but i know it's been around forever the Uh like you know he mentions briefly um uh, JB Bigley mentions that he's going to be going golfing and so he's going to be in on Saturday and it's like one it's like a line but yep. then Finch takes advantage of that and then it becomes a plot point or like yep. the whole how the television scavenger hunt scheme was Bud's idea and that comes back to bite him in the butt like yep. is a really intelligent plot construction device that I think you don't you know Oklahoma doesn't have that um no. You know, even Guys and Dolls doesn't have that. Oh, certainly not to that extent, no. Like, maybe, I would say it might have, like, one strand with um, Adelaide and Nathan, but... Oh, no, with them, sorry. uh, The other... I can't remember. Oh, my God. Sky Uh, and... Sky and... uh, Sarah. There we go. Sky and Sarah. Uh, With them, and that, you know, there's the whole... uh, What's the religious passage? The... um, Man, it's been so long. It's like we haven't made a podcast. In <laughs> exactly. The I don't know, but there's something, and it kind of gets called on right. through, and then yeah. that's the punchline at the end when he walks on and he's right. Um, and that's you know nowadays that is that is sitcom standard. That is mm. you know musical theater standard. Like, mm. don't you dare Deus Ex Machina us. Like, if if it's gonna come in in Act Two, the gun better damn well have been on the wall in Act One. Exactly. Exactly. That gun has to be there. Um, yeah, so it's. I guess it must just be things like that. I would say as well, um, in terms of the actual songs, mm-hmm. it's not hitting like very like cliched. Yes. 
pockets. You know what I mean? It's not got your uh, like your I want song is there, but it's not the second song of the night. Do you know what I mean? Right. It, it's it's playing a little bit with the yeah. the conventions that have just been set up. I yeah, guess. exactly. And it is still. It, you know what I think part of it is too? They're not pop songs. Maybe that's part of the transition. They're not right. written to be songs that exist and are popular outside of the media. Certainly some of them are. I Believe in You, which is clearly, you know, yes. Lesser was like, well, I had I did great with Luck Be a Lady tonight, so let's write the same song again. Um, yes. But like a lot of the songs like Coffee Break, they're not going to play yeah. that on the radio. No. Um, it's a great song. You know, Paris Original, Frank Sinatra's not going to cover that. Like, no. these are not going to be... I'd like to see him try, <laughs> I just say. <laughs> I want to see him do it in the same dress. Um, but we're, like, exiting the concept of Tin Pan Alley and starting to kind of redefine what musical theater is. It's no longer yeah. a marketing ploy for popular music. It's becoming, like, an artistic art form, which, you know, it's probably why I won the Pulitzer. Um, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. More on that story later. Uh, but no, I, I totally agree with you there. I totally agree. And, and and most of the reviews, and even nowadays as well, really kind of laud the book because yes. it's 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 strong and it's kind of the glue that, that holds the whole thing together because kind of, you know, without it, it's a little bit yeah. uppy-downy, well, shall we okay. say. Well, okay. So let's... Can we talk about Act 2? And like, I think this is, I think this musical was the first musical to encounter this problem because (laughs) it was breaking ground in this area. Um, But this is, I don't know, have we talked about this on the podcast? It's a concept I have in my mind all the time, (laughs) but that like the, the, the second quarter of act two is the mm-hmm. most difficult writing challenge in a piece of yeah. musical theater. Do you know when we talked about it? Hmm. Hashtag callback, our first podcast in no Hamilton. Way. No way. Yeah. You have an amazing memory for these Thank things. You. Thank you very much. <laughs> so the idea is, in a two-act musical, before intermission, you have to, you know heighten the stakes something you know we need to be on a cliffhanger something needs to like make you come back from intermission but whatever that is needs to be immediately resolved when you get back so that it's not like hanging over you the whole act but it can't be so resolved that then there's nothing to do in act two exactly and this show does not do that well no it's it's like they sneeze (laughs) do you know like That's an jail. It just feels like a sneeze, and yes. then they're like, "Oh, I just sneezed out all of this the plot." Um, okay, what? Uh, they're like, "Put it back! Put it back! Put it back in!" Advertising. What God. could you? Pirates! Pirates! What, I mean? what are we going to do with pirates? Yeah, exactly. I feel like you could have a piratical flair. That's <laughs> yeah. what but the you, corporate world needs. You end Act One, and you've got such great drama, like. Bud Frump is out to get Finch, and it's very clear about it. I will return. And, like, (laughs) Rosemary is, like, angry at Finch because he's ignoring her, and he has this great future set up for him, but will he have his wife? Who knows? And you get back, and within, like, three pages, all that's gone. (laughs) 
Like Bud yeah. Frump literally sings, "I have returned." Like and that's what I just can't believe. Like I can't, I can't, I can't, because it's not even funny. It's oh. so stupid. Because that his last line. Do you know what I mean, it's not even a theme in the show. Right. He's like, "I will be back." Right. And he just comes back. Yeah. I hate it, it is. So you much. know, I I I think there's a, a a spectrum of like how to do your act two, or your act one ending, and you want uh-huh. to end up in the middle. And on one end is I Will Return from Bud Frump. And on the other end is Ever After in Into the Woods. Like, Plus the end, more. the song. Like, yeah. we're done. We're done. The show's over. We're done. You know. And I think exactly. this show's the other end of the spectrum. It really is. Oh, bless it. Um, oh. But yeah, okay. So let's talk about the pirates. Cause, oh, um, God. So I read a bit more about this in my Fosse book. Of all things, um, I didn't even know until this time through that this was, and not officially, but a Fosse show. Well, so this is it. So this is actually quite interesting. It's a little kind of weird piece of like behind the scenes musical Broadway trivia, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so obviously I think it's, if, you, if you're aware of Fosse stuff, particularly around this time, um, you'd kind of be able to clock it and be like, this seems very good yeah. and interestingly stylized. I wonder who did this. Um, <laughs> and so basically Fosse um, was there and he was credited as, um, uh, I think it was like uh, like musical staging mm-hmm. by Bob Fosse, but he was not the choreographer. Yeah, officially. Um, the, exactly. So the choreographer was uh, given to um, Hugh Lambert, who was brought on right at the start because um, I think it was Frank Lesser or might have been a Burroughs uh, was a huge, huge fan of his stuff. And he'd, he'd done stuff for like TV specials and mm-hmm. um, these kind of things. He was like, he's great. Uh, we'll we'll get him involved. Um, obviously, when they started, like when they did the read through of the show, everyone was like, this show is hysterical. It's the best. Uh, and then they started rehearsing it and seeing how Hugh was working and all the laughs all the laughter stopped yeah. um, because basically there was just no cohesion. There was no through thought. And all Hugh Lambert was really doing was creating kind of sketch after sketch after sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically I think Abe Burroughs or again, frankly, or maybe the producers, I don't know. Uh, one of them were actually quite good friends with uh, Bob Fosse, Gwen Verdon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, basically wanted to bring him in bring him mm-hmm. on board as the choreographer as a, but, as a choreographer doctor yes um but bob fossey was like listen um i've just recently been fired uh, as choreographer i don't want someone else to go through that mm-hmm. um so keep him on uh he has to be there every rehearsal um give him the credit of choreographer and give me just something else um and i'm like hey Anyone yeah. who says Bob Foss is not a good guy, that's, fair enough. There's many points, but that's a nice one. It's a good gold star for him. <laughs> that's a really nice moment. Yeah. Um, and so he came in and then started working through um, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's some really. We'll just get. Let me just give some some choreographic tidbits. Why yes, not? Yes, absolutely. Um, so interesting stuff. Like he uh, was really obsessed with the idea of keeping it realistic because mm-hmm. everything he'd done before was very musical theater it was very performative mm-hmm. um whereas for this he couldn't really get away with that because it was a very domestic setting mm-hmm. um 
and it wasn't the actual the original production wasn't heightened it wasn't mm-hmm. uh you know an right. office but it's an office oh. right exactly it's a um, dream office <clears throat> exactly so it was a real so, office with elevators and coffee and typewriters and uh-huh. yeah um but so one of the big reasons uh there's no like dancing on desks Mm-hmm. An office staple uh, is because it's totally not realistic. Like you wouldn't want to run around and start dancing on a desk or push right. everything off, start dancing on a desk. Take note, nine to five. Um, and <laughs> and twenty eleven. Uh, no, nine to five. The oh, musical. nine to five, not ninety five. Yeah. got it. Not nine to five. No, nine to five is fine. Keep going, nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and he was really really into that, and he started to spawn his whole thing which would kind of carry him through his career of uh, making it a chorus of individuals mm-hmm. um, and not just Not a just chorus. all the people. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so he, everyone that was in, I think it was Coffee Break when he was doing because he found that one of the trickiest. Um, mm-hmm. He was basically made them write a character sheet about their life and where they've been from. So how, they could bring it all out. How progressive. How, how so new age smart. for 1960s. Exactly. Shockingly enough, came from Bob Fosse. He's the best. Um, <laughs> and then it's what I found, what I really, really love is that a lot of the reviews that they then got um, were really praising the fact that the ensemble seemed so like intelligent and, mm-hmm. you know, it felt very immersive. And so could one of the reasons why it's been so successful purely because of Bob Fosse? I'm going to say yes. I mean, probably. But so well, the, the story goes that the, what is it, <coughs> Yo-Ho-Ho or the Pirate Ballet or whatever it is. Yes, the is Pirate Ballet. So original choreography, not Bob Fosse choreography. Yes. So that was the kind of like, okay, Hugh, you're here. Um, we'll let you have this one. Right. Um, and so kind of shoehorned this thing at like, where does this fit? Yeah, put it here majorly shoehorned like i mean to the point where like that is that is what gets me so much it is such and this happens with a lot of musicals of this time whether it's a show with a character written specifically for a particular performer who has like a thing and so the show incorporates their thing like pajama game Mm -hmm. is this way with eddie foy and his knife throwing Um, yes oh my god i was really i compare this a lot to pajama game yeah like there's a lot of like so we know this person can do this thing so we're gonna write this show so they can do this thing of of course but then when you do it again do you keep the thing but you have to in this one because it is so intrinsically tied to the plot but it could be anything like finch just needs a, a problem to go wrong in act two it doesn't matter what it is Right. It is not particular that it is a, you know, television scavenger hunt. Like, literally, Bud Frump's idea <laughs> could be anything as long as Bigley doesn't like it and then Finch convinces them to do it and then it goes wrong. It goes wrong. It doesn't exactly. matter what it is. It's just so left field. It is so <laughs> left field. Um, but, um, cool. But I guess so this, is, this is what I always kind of come back to. Like, if it was a, a kind of stupid show or like a show with a tongue in the cheek mm-hmm. self-referential whatever yeah then it would actually almost be kind of fame because it would be like what the hell is going on ah, right. ha, ha, ha. Yeah. whereas this it's like oh no this is a choice yeah this is a choice <laughs> right and where instead why don't we spend more of it like why can't the drama be something about office life or relationships or yep. you know does hetty somehow get 
accidentally involved with Finch or some kind of Three's Company misunderstanding right. that then turns bigly against him, but then, you know, Rosemary... Like how Act 1 ends, but in a bigger yeah. way in Act 2. Uh-huh. And then it's more about the people and the concept and the place, but you no, know, it's a whole new set. It's a television studio. It's a right. weird parody of a thing that, like, maybe existed, but... <laughs> doesn't feel like it's sustained i don't know not at all like in, but i think the reason why they didn't do the heady thing like you said which i think sounds really interesting mm-hmm. a lot of scope for comedy um is because it would give the the women far too much power <laughs> that's probably the problem <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah or they like would have, become the linchpin and we can't have, have the, that have the secretary's revolt maybe that's how to yeah it. i know like, oh the you dream. know, they're going to take over and then Finch solves it somehow and, you know, placates Rosemary and like, yeah, you know, that's how to rewrite this show. Yep. But, I mean, that is almost nine to five. <laughs> I guess that's so, true. Yeah, Maybe that's what they did. But great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's 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 a problem that I, I don't feel they tackle well. No. And is it is a, I, a thing you can't fix in revivals either? No. Like. You'd have to, well, and clearly they haven't with, you know, full, if they're going to make big changes, it's going to be in a Broadway revival. And yep. the the pirate section stays in to this day. Yes. And the thing is, is like, it, it, surely it's not beloved. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Surely people aren't like, <laughs> you oh, I mean, you can't cut that. It's not oh, like steam heat. Do you know what I mean? Right? No, I'm sorry to whoever you out there who, you know, the pirate yeah, ballet is, their is favorite, the this variety their number you're going to do out of context. And I'm sorry, you know, you got a poster on your wall in your bedroom. <laughs> He's like, just like, most viewed video on YouTube is just the one from the movie <laughs> of the Pirate Valley. And we're right. very sorry to you. No, I'm sure it's like Dream Ballets. I'm sure it's what gets cut in high schools. I'm, you know, no one is huh. like looking up the original choreography to recreate right. it. Right. Surely not. Like No, and it's, oh, such, it's, a, it's so... such a sideways plot point. It is so expository like every line is like you didn't tell anyone <gasps> maybe i did like god the show's doing oh, so well oh, that, into... that actually made me cringe right that but that's that's cringe. like almost basically the line yep you know yeah is that a real bible uh i hate it <laughs> <sighs> um which i think this all leads mm-hmm. us really nicely on to a next point i think it does too Okay, we've still got segues. We're still <laughs> knocking them out of the park. Now she's thinking. I wish that he were more of a flirt. And he's thinking. I guess a little flirting won't hurt. Now she's thinking. What dinner we could meet. And he's thinking. We both have got to eat. Huh? And she says. <laughs> And he says, uh, Thank you. Well, it's been a long day. Well, it's been a long, been a long, been a long, been a long day. Okay, There's so like we've mentioned a couple of times, uh, this is one of the nine musicals uh, to have won the Pulitzer Prize in drama. Yes, and I think I have mentioned this before in I don't know where, but have gotten flack about, like, why is that important that only nine musicals have won the Pulitzer Prize for drama? And mm-hmm. I think it is an important distinction to talk about because it is the discussion of whether or not musical theater can count as art. Um, yes. And it is emblematic of 
how it's not counted as art in yeah. a lot of places. Yeah. You know, it, um, it, it feels lowbrow and, you know, pedestrian. Um, yeah. And that's so I think, one. Mm-hmm. I think what we should do is go through these and kind of talk about their merits and what they... Because I feel like for the for the most part, mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy with this list. Yeah. Well, what I found fascinating, and I didn't know this until I was doing research. Um, yeah. And this is the contemporary. Um, the Pulitzers don't have really explicit uh, criteria. Good criteria. You don't yeah. even have to. You can submit to win a Pulitzer, but you don't have to. They can just give it to yeah. you. Um, yeah. And so there's not a lot about it, but the contemporary one for the Pulitzer Prize in drama says that it must be a distinguished play by an American author, preferably original in its source, and dealing with American life. And that last part, dealing with American life, that part is new to me and is interesting, I think, when you look at this list of nine. Yep. Yes. Right? Oh. It adds just, an interesting I'm twist two to Two and it. two together there. Yeah. And they are all kind of decidedly American in discussion maybe in with a with, with a couple um, choice exa- choice exemplars I'm looking at 1985 yeah. yeah you wonder about that but the rest of them have a really huh. distinguished like this is about america um, oh i'm yeah no in fact everything everything else bar 1985 but then even 1985 you could maybe kind right. of yeah, yeah yeah you know so goodness for act too right uh so, 1932 of the I Sing. Yep. I had to look this yep. one up. Do you know anything about this? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I just I've listened to it once. Um, it's uh, a, a pre- was it a real president? No, I think it's a it's a political satire. Oh, okay. About well, a, well done, 1932. Right. Good on you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's uh, a president who wins, but then falls in love with the wrong person. Something like that. It's a, it's like that. by the Gershwins. You know, it's got yes. okay songs. Um, it's you know, it's also 1932, so there's not really a high bar to plot. <laughs> yes, um, but the book was just stellar. I've, yes. I know it so well. Uh, I don't. I don't at all. Uh, <laughs> but so but, then we you get know, re- mm-hmm. real American. Yes. So that's why it's What's about that? America. Um, yep. 1950, we get South Pacific, yes. which makes a lot of sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Although, to be honest, of all of the R&Hs, it wouldn't have been my pick, but that's yeah. fine. But it is, of of the R&Hs, I think one of the, I don't know, one of the heftier ones? I don't know if that's quite the yeah. right word. Yeah. For, I, I, uh, for yeah, sometimes no, okay, how yeah. kind of like light and fluffy their subject matter is, uh-huh. I think South Pacific treads very much in whatever the opposite of light and fluffy is heavy and dense <laughs> yes yeah exactly heavy yeah. and dense um yeah that's yeah i would give you that I, well to be honest it could it could be any well yeah. not any a few of a few. yours but um decidedly american decidedly mm-hmm. american very much so different settings still american yes, yes. um then uh, we get 1960 fiorello yes indeed everyone's favorite tiny mayor <laughs> so, uh, anyway um but yep. <laughs> you know decidedly american biographical decidedly. semi-biographical uh-huh. um you know popular with the new york audience which i'm sure has a lot to do with it absolutely more. then 1962 how to succeed in business without really trying 
we all know and love. Maybe um, maybe one of the lighter ones on this list of all things. Definitely the first comedy. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, or like out and out comedy. Yeah. Uh, happy ending. A lot of these don't really have like decidedly happy endings. Yeah. You know, the rest of them it's have like kind a... of melancholy endings. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the Oscars, though. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know <laughs> how true. to. Yeah. If you want to win your Pulitzer, you know what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it in a second. We'll keep going through the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, 1976, A Chorus Line. Makes sense. 100%. Yes, absolutely. Deserves it. Most deserved. 1985, yes. Sunday in the Park with George. Maybe mm. the, the least American <laughs> show on this list. Exactly. I wonder <laughs> if they, like, someone had, like, leaned on the bottom part of the. the um, criteria right. and they were deciding so they just didn't read that um, <laughs> although admitted, admittedly it does say preferably original in its source right. and so dealing it, with it and if you, so maybe the preferably is attached and if you look at because we're this is nine out of maybe 80 some awards for Pulitzer Prize and drama the rest have just gone yeah. to plays and if you look yeah. at some of the plays they're not all decidedly American uh, 100% true yeah very true um, um, 96 Rent makes sense The American 2010 Next to Normal Absolutely. And then, of course, 2016, Hamilton. Yeah. Yes. Shocker Rooney. Um, so, yeah. They all they all make sense. Does I, I How to feel... Succeed belong on this list? Exactly. And I think that's the thing is when we, when you picked it out there, like, it is, the, it is a comedy. Now, what I'm wondering, right, mm-hmm. did these guys think it was some kind of commentary? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. And it is, the, the Pulitzer is filled with the same kind of politics that you can expect from something like the Oscars nowadays. Because there's like right. committees and, you know, how they nominate things is shrouded in mystery and is a bit on who you know. And I think yeah. the, the committee is like, they describe it as one academic and four critics. So there's plenty of politicizing to go on there. So who knows For about sure. the specifics of how, how to succeed made it on this list? Yeah. Um, it's interesting to think about. <laughs> It really, really is. Just because I, I think, see if it was an out-and-out satire, if this was like, you know, like you say, Matthew Broderick come to the front of the stage kind of thing. Yeah. I'd, I'd give you it 100% yeah. because it's it's a great satire. The things that it brings up and the, the topics yeah. that it raises. But I think that's... Fantastic. It wasn't originally written as a satire. Exactly. It was kind of written as a celebration. Right. Yeah. And a comedy and maybe heightened in the way that musical theater is. But not, mm-hmm. you know, there weren't a lot of things in the show that I think were exaggerations. No. Um, so whether this was just a sign of the times, like it was the 60s. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Things weren't going well. Yeah. Uh, so whether that was their reasoning or whether maybe it was just a slow year. Yeah. Or maybe it's a discussion of like, well, it doesn't, it, it can't be that it's a slow year because they don't have to award the Pulitzer. Some years they don't They don't need it. to? Yeah. Interesting. So they had to make the decision to award this. And it's not like there's a list of five and then they pick one. They just pick yeah. one. So this was a choice. Um, okay. But I think it, it does. It was a choice. Yeah. It says something <laughs> about how integrated the book is. It says something about... I don't know, the the changing tastes in comedy. It's kind of a victory for comedy in that way, too. Yeah. That, like, in the same way that these these nine are victories for musical theater. But the fact that we can award comedy with a recognition. Um, you know, there's a great, um, I forget what award he won, uh, but Jerry Seinfeld won some, like, Lifetime Achievement Award um, okay. and gives his speech 
and it is all about how he hates awards and awards are stupid and comedians don't need awards because comedians are funny um and you see that reflected in the oscars and reflected in contemporary discourse comedies don't win you know dramas win things that make you think win and comedies oh they're light and fluffy and then they you know seep their way into the cracks of your being to like actually make you think things um yeah and it is interesting to see how how to succeed in business kind of seeped into the cracks a little bit um and you know kind of found its wedge into i don't know academia contemporary intelligent discourse of the 1960s for sure yeah i guess i mean it's just like i look at i look at the latter five right mm-hmm. um and among them are some of my most beloved musicals and a lot of it is down to the book yes absolutely yeah um uh, maybe rent give or take as much as i love rent but i don't the thing that i don't love about rent is necessarily the the story yeah but i don't think any any of these won for their songs you know right exactly um whereas how to succeed yeah i don't know i'm just like no i I can't I, I'm not. You know, yeah, I, can't, I find I can't it so it. fascinating that it is in this company, you know, mm. because like these are all the rest of these are not high school standard, you know. The rest mm-hmm. of these are difficult and dramatic and a sign of the times and like aren't revived, maybe with the exception of a chorus line, um, because they've like made it into popular culture. I think. Um, more contemporary company excluded rent next to normal and hamilton because the Mm. game has changed since the 90s right um but like you know people don't when they revive sunday in the park with george they don't do it because it has big name recognition they do it because it's art um yeah when they revive a you know when they revive fiorello like whenever (laughs) that's never gonna happen um you know south pacific like they're not opera companies do south pacific Um, exactly opera companies don't do how to succeed in business without really trying no they don't yeah but even like you know comedy troops yeah i I don't i don't know what comedy troops do (laughs) but if they ever decided to do a musical i don't think they'd leaf through and be like oh well we're obviously gonna just pick how to succeed it's not the funniest musical out there no it's not even of its time. It's, I wouldn't say it's still the. You know, my music. my mother isn't going to be like, oh, how to succeed that show I love. I'm going to go see it. You know, right? Like people right. aren't going to fly to New York because, like, oh, my favorite show, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, is getting revived. Yeah. yeah. Except for you with the you know pirate dance poster on your wall. Whoever you are, exactly. There, we you, you know the exception. We're really grateful for your existence. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so tricky it's so odd well and it's what happened (laughs) and like the the thing that i find fascinating about it is certainly you look at this progression of nine musicals and you Mm. see that the musicals have changed with the times but i if you pick out the criteria that makes them pulitzer winners i don't think that criteria has changed much since 1932 absolutely which makes how to succeed stick out even more yeah what the hell like south pacific was as revolutionary for its time as hamilton is nowadays absolutely i want to read more on this i want to read more on this because there has to be something going on there and and i looked at let me see if i can find it again um 
1962 Tony Awards. I looked at the um, the year. The year. What the else season. was yeah. contemporary? It was the sixth. Well, forum was that season, wasn't it? No, it was the 16th Tony Awards. Um, so the nominees for best musical were How to Succeed, Carnival, Milk and Honey, and No Strings. I mean, Milk and Honey was robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag justice for Milk and Honey. Yeah. And because, so the Pulitzer can go to any drama. The plays were A Man for All Seasons, Gideon, which I don't know, The Caretaker by Harold Pinter, and Night of the Iguana by Tennessee Williams. So like. Wow. Wow. It's not, it's not a bad year. Um, And How to Succeed beat those two. For something that is intelligent and insightful and filled with smarts or whatever a Pulitzer is supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. This is why it is so fascinating. And maybe it is a weird political quirk of 1962 um, because they award him the year after. But it is fascinating. It really is. And it's a really underexplored corner of, you know, Broadway history and idiosyncrasy. I think that about the show in, in total, though, because it's one of those ones everyone everyone knows it. Yeah. Whether it's just the fact it's got a really long title, so people <laughs> just remember it for that reason. Uh-huh. But everyone really kind of knows it. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, you'd be like, ah, oh, sing it, sing me a song. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, name, tell me the name of one of the tunes. Yeah. What's the name of the main character? Right. Well, you'd have to think about it for a second. Right. You know, as uh, I, they're not they're not pop songs. They're not covered on the radio. So how how did this one? I and I do I do wonder. I do hearken back to. I wonder if it was just a New York show, and that was what like that gave it its oomph. It was uh-huh. so explicitly tied to like the commonality, average experience of the New York working man of mm. the time, mm. and that was something that made it popular and interesting above the rest. I mean that's it. Like it, it was contemporary. Yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah. So maybe people were just like, oh, finally. Yeah. I wonder if it. <laughs> I get it, to see what my life is like on a stage. I wonder if it's popular because it was contemporary and non-challenging. Like if it's you know the Big Bang Theory of yeah the of musical theater. Like yeah, it's not not a whole like it can feel a little intelligent at times. Is certainly well constructed. But you're not going to leave in 1961 thinking like with your life changed with a new, yeah. you know, philosophical outlook on life. And that's because musical theater is a popular culture, you know, sometimes lowest common denominator kind of entertainer. Yeah. If that's part of its success. I wonder. It's quite interesting. It's like it's um, taken a leaf out of its own book. Do you know what I mean, it's climbed its way to the top. That's true, without really trying. Without really, and nobody, you know, you're kind of like, you're like, wait, what, do, what have you done? Yeah, Hang how on. to succeed in musical theatre without really trying. Where were your credentials? When, when we write our thesis on this musical, that might be its title. Right? Yeah. There's something fishy going on. You know, but that's not, because mm, they did try the, I don't know, the deluxe recording. They're all on Spotify now, so it's hard mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. them confused. <laughs> Can I tell you, sidebar, because it's been six months, um, and these shows have been sitting in my Spotify for so long. (laughs) Right. You know, Spotify generates daily mixes for you. Yeah, yeah. My daily mix six is just how to succeed songs. 
Excellent. Spotify has just decided I need a radio station of all the various How to Succeed cast albums. It's literally your favorite. Don't <laughs> don't try. Don't even try. But, you saw I put that note about feminism. You were like, oh, crap. Yeah, are you, he's going to talk about that. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> Awful. That's but it. I think it's the deluxe album or something. It has some of uh-huh. Lesser's demos on it. Oh, okay, interesting. And they're they're fascinating. Um, it's like is that got the uh, secretary is not a toy in three four time? It's got secretary is not a toy in three four, and it's got yeah. what became company way, but was called company man. Yeah, um, and you can clearly see that they were the songs that they're going to become, but especially company man, it's different. They made changes. They yeah. they re- he really adapted it and yeah. made it fit for theater. And if this mm. was it, you know, who knows how these demos continue to exist and who he was trying to convince with these things. Cause I think he was brought on board early in the writing process cause it was adapted from a play. Um, so it's not like he was shopping out this show to someone. He didn't record yeah, this demo sure. to sell the show, um, sure. but it exists and you can hear the changes. And so they made dramatical, important changes to these things. For sure. Well, there was it's quite like, again, I've got some more tidbits, mm-hmm. uh, so from uh, the secretary is not a toy that was almost cut, huh? Uh, because they couldn't stage it. They just mm-hmm. they were trying everything. They tried like four guys in front of a scrim. They mm. tried turning it into a solo, um, and just nothing was working. Um, when they turned it into a solo, it was um, Rudy Valley who was singing it. I can't remember who he played, um, and he refused to sing it in three four time. <laughs> Weird. Uh, and so um, Lesser ended up quitting. Wow. Uh, so he left for three days and uh-huh. came back. Um, and then Bob Fosse basically got to work on it and it was him who turned it into what it is now. Right. Um, and that in many ways is his most iconic number yeah. from Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, you look whole, at whole thing. the recreation on um, the movie and yeah. it is iconic and it is it is as interesting as like the rich man's frug is, yeah. but pedestrian, not, you know, you still believe that these business people could be doing this dance. Exactly. Exactly. They keep that. The, the character is, is still there. Um, so he saved it. But I find it quite interesting because to me, like, that is the most problematic. Well, one of the most problematic songs <laughs> yeah. uh, in the show. And it was so close to being out. And I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, oh, well. <laughs> um, I don't know. But no, show... you're right. Well, I, I, I do find it interesting that this, that song might have been cut because I don't know if the show would be the same without it. Um, I mean, clearly I it wouldn't. But uh, like... It 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 makes sexism a centerpiece of the show, mm-hmm. in a way that I think that's the thing that m- makes it baffling for us. If a secretary mm-hmm. is not a toy, wasn't in this show, this yep. would be a cut and dry sexist piece because everything yep. else would seem like accidental extra lines that are products of their time. Mm-hmm. Whereas the secretary is not a toy m- pushes it a little more into satire parody commentary land. Exactly. That's where the tonal shift changes and you're like, I don't know what you mean by this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder. And we, st- and we still don't. We still don't. <laughs> do you think the Pulitzer people knew or do you think they're just like, oh, I know, yeah, do you think they were just like, women suck. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm wondering. Maybe they were just like, ah, th- thank yeah. <laughs> Take a bow, lesser. <laughs> You said what we're all thinking. Oy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, it's hard uh, to say. It's really hard to say. And I there's know. no, you know, that that paper um, from Lawyer Cherry is yep. maybe one of the only academic discussions of this show. People don't talk about this show in that way because it's, yeah. you know, it's lowbrow. It's comedy. Yeah. 
but there's a lot of meat in there. <laughs> Literally. Hey. Sorry, I've written that whole point. <laughs> you always got to end it with a penis joke. I know, I know. But hey, we're a brotherhood of man, so... Oh, wait, oh, speaking of penis jokes, um, <laughs> isn't it funny uh-huh. that two of the main characters are called Frump and Bigly? I mean, that's, that's the... Not specifically as as a phallic reference, but all their names are supposed to be no. references to <laughs> What is what is our, our dear 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 president? What's his favorite catchphrase? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I understand. Isn't that isn't that creepy? <laughs> and you know, Frump Frump and Bigley. Do you think this uh, is his favorite musical? How to succeed I'm, in business without really well, trying. <laughs> Listen, well, listen to the. <laughs> but that's, he's literally written that book. He's written that book called How to Succeed. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's quite creepy. And also, you know, like these two play the villains. Jimmy, the, the face of like capitalism. I can see nepotism. it. I can see the Saturday Night Live sketch now. Like everyone I mean, leaves. Uh, Alec Baldwin alone in his office, and the music bump, 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 bottom. Bump, bump, starts playing and he reaches in yep. his drawer and he pulls out a large print copy of yep. how to succeed as a president without really trying. Yep. And some Fox News anchor voice comes from the heavens and starts, so <laughs> you finally made it to the White House. A great exactly. first step. There's one thing you must do. Get out of the White House. <laughs> yes. How does the musical end? He's it's... like, oh, I could be president. It's terrifying. <laughs> like, listen, see, right now you know that. Listen uh-huh. to the Company Man again, or the, uh-huh. what it was called, Company Way. Listen yeah. to that again because, or like the reprise of it, uh-huh. uh, because they literally just end by chanting "Frump, Frump, Frump," and it's really, really this something is else. This is yeah, terrifying. yeah. So, you've, just want to leave you on that. Ruined the show note. even more. From even the more. <laughs> just when you think. <laughs> Uh, welcome back, everyone. Sorry if you used to like how to succeed in business. Yeah, this is what we're doing <laughs> now. Next week, we're going to ruin the sign of music. Yeah. How to succeed in business without really trying. Does it, if, and we do, only said the full title like three times, so that was, I, that was it's great. It's too much. Although H2S. <laughs> I mean. Does yeah. it feel good to be back, Jimmy? Oh, it just, it really feels great. I'm not going to lie. Back I'm on, like buzzed. Uh, what has my life been for six months? <laughs> been living in a hole, clawing your way out. Literally. I mean, there's the stories I could tell. The stories. I got a quiz question for you, Jimmy. 
Oh, I'm excited. Uh, you ready? Yeah. The folk singer-author of our next musical has shared studio space with friend of the podcast, Dave Malloy. And her artistic connections clearly reflect this. What show? What could mm. it be? And I promise you, this is a promise, it won't be six months. It'll be uh, seven. It will be seven. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see you in seven months. You should be able to get it by then. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can, whether you want to scorn us for being away so long or tell us that you're so excited to hear us again, we don't mind. Um, you can find me over on Twitter at Asin Hendricks and YouTube at the same handle. And I'm Musical Mash on Twitter and Musical Theater Mash on YouTube. Or you can check out our show Twitter, Jim and Tomic, or our website, jimandtomic.com. There's a Reddit discussion. I guess that's a thing we do. <laughs> that is something that is there. <laughs> That exists. That's what people are going to um, yell at us. They're going to be like, I was, I was down. dying. I was dying without a gym and tonic. I know. And we, I must say, like, uh, it's been breaking our hearts every time, you know, we see a tweet and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, we we were always going to come back. But, you know, we just, people just need a little, yeah. little rest. We adore all of you. And thank you for Absolutely. your patience. And thank you for hanging about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, not um, hitting it, unsubscribe in your little podcast app exactly exactly um so if you enjoyed this once more then tell your friends all about it that would be lush exactly they can catch up on years of past material and we're back years yay so we'll see you next week or in seven months Oh, how great. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.